to the Off the Rails podcast, a deep dive into dynasty, death, and other degenerate forms of fantasy football. Please welcome your hosts, Ben and James. Off the Rails podcast, talking about what a fucking football on. All right, James, what are we getting into here? Talk to me. Today, we are going to cover being a commissioner of a league, how to set up that league, and how to continue with ongoing maintenance and keep that a competitive league for years and years in the future. Sounds like a daunting task, but I think we're up to the challenge. I do too. And uh, just throwing down a few bona fides here uh, when it comes to, to being commissioners uh ben and i between the two of us not counting leagues that we share commissionership in uh was it four five leagues between the two of us i prefer to think of it james in terms of years uh let's call it league years as commissioner and for me i'm pretty sure that i am working on something like 25 or something like that yeah and i've and i've got to be close to that too and so you know in several of these leagues that we are commissioners of We have kept going on for years and years. Um, You know, obviously commissioning your home redraft league is its own uh, little task, but uh, a dynasty league is so, so much more. It can be a lot more challenging for for sure. And then like a lot of it comes down to the fact that like, you know, a redraft league resets every year. You can change out the people that are in it. None of that really matters. Whereas like a dynasty league, you, you know, maintaining the longevity of the league needs to be of like the most paramount importance. Otherwise, you know, it's, it's very demotivating for people to kind of, uh, you know, adjust strategies to plan for the short term, the long term, whatever it is kind of thing. So certainly an important point of, of formula league. And we'll definitely talk about some of the things to do to, to make sure that that happens. Yep. So let's, uh, let's just kick this off with the, uh, the number one most important point. When, uh, when you are starting a dynasty league, and again, something that's going to last years, you will have turnover in owners. Uh, but the most important thing, and this may sound uh, you know, expected from, from many of the people in the audience, but you do need to start your league off with a charter. What's a charter, James? Charter is basically the rule book for the league. So it is outlining um, what the league is, Scoring formats, position formats, league dues, uh, any rules, rule changes. Um, You're obviously not going to be able to plan for everything in the future. Uh, But we've we've done some due diligence to make sure that we feel that you can be prepared uh, in setting up your league and uh, have answered many of the questions that are going to come up as uh, as the the years roll on in that league. Yes, league charter, super, super important. Um, I think you did a good job describing it. Uh, it's important to keep it, you know, like we typically have used Google Docs uh, and they're awesome um, ways to store information and share them with a bunch of people. And so, uh, you know, that's that's a great way to do it. Make sure everyone's got access to it so they can view it at any time. Make sure to set the permissions on it so that you control the edits, et cetera, those types of things. Uh, good to include links to it in like the comments or whatever for every new league year, um, just so people always have access to it. Um, but yeah, it's always good to have a reference guide uh, for both you and the league in terms of when it like, you know, comes to time to uh, arbitrate various uh, whatever things that come up in the league. Yes, sir. 
Um, and uh, the setting the permissions on the Google Doc is very important. Very, very important. You don't want people in there uh, changing the charter. Uh, just like we all do at work, you know, back it up every once in a while just to make sure. So I think uh, what we should first just kind of kick this off with is is basic format for your league. And, uh, and we'll run through... Uh, what those different formats are. And I think the, uh, the best place to start is with scoring formats and uh, going the most basic uh, down to the points per reception, whether you're making the league a PPR league, non-PPR, or half PPR league. Yeah, man. Uh, and there's additional variations on that. Obviously, there's also things like points per carry or half point per carry. Uh, um other other ways to you know whatever make it make it more complicated in terms of like touch based metrics, um, I you know it, what you choose to do or or how you choose which one is right for you, um, you know right now I would say that PPR is is pretty much become the standard. I I wouldn't even consider doing a non PPR league. Uh, half PPR is I suppose acceptable, but I still like think like again PPR would be preferable. Um, you know, if you wanted to start adding in points per carry type stuff, some of it comes down to, you know, the further off the charted path you go, the more difficult it will be, I think, for people to appropriately account for the value of players in a startup drafter and trades and things like that. So kind of think about that. If you want to make a league that is complicated because you have a bunch of people who are veterans in the league and that's kind of the entire point. Yeah, I think that's when that stuff comes in play. Otherwise, for most leagues with most people of most skill sets, I mean, including people with advanced skill sets, you're going to be looking at like PPR leagues. Yeah. And, uh, and that's also kind of an important thing for you to point out too. And like, as we go through this, we're going to be kind of highlighting what we think is, is the best way to do these formats or what our preferred are. Um, but you all as commissioners of your own leagues can, can set those up to be what you want them to be. Uh, we tend to keep things pretty cut and dry when it comes to just PPR, full PPR, like you said, one point per reception. Uh, we don't mess around much with non. There are there are a few that have been half PPR leagues, but more points are better. And uh, and from there, uh, there are also some additional kind of scoring format positional things that uh, that can go along with that. So you obviously have super flex leagues where you can flex a quarterback. There's also two quarterback. Uh, you have tight end premium leagues where, um, as we covered in our last episode. Uh, in a tight end premium league, the tight end may get 1.5 points per reception. And then uh, something that you and I love to do in our leagues, Ben, is to add in big play and big game bonuses. Yeah, big play, big game bonuses. Uh, definitely spice a league up. And I, it spices up your Sundays, too. Um, I, you know, w we have them set up with various different, you know, kind of, kind of like points totals for various different things. But, uh, you know, as far as big play bonuses go, most leagues, we've we've replicated a certain structure uh, where it's like you get for a touchdown of 40 yards or more, a certain number of points. And then if that touchdown extends out to 50 yards or more, you get in a certain amount of additional points. And these are bonus points on top of the yards and the touchdowns. Um, and yeah, it makes for, you know, uh, watching on Sundays a lot more wild when it's like either you or your opponent has somebody that goes... And, and scores one of these. And we might as well just start calling it uh, what we call it. We call it the Hearns, and I, which sounds ridiculous because Alan Hearns is like the last player that like creates these kind of plays. But back in the day when he was a rookie uh, in the league that we first started doing this format in, he was the first guy to actually like go off for one of those things. And uh, it's uh, it kind of stuck. So it, it yeah, did. the Hearns play 
And that's that's the 50 yard plus one. That's not the 40 yard one. That's a mini Hearns. Yeah. Uh, but like, hi- highly recommend the Hearns format. It's a ton of fun, um, and it does add a premium to guys that are home run hitters. I, you know, the guys that can sit there and be like the workhorses plus hit home runs become so invaluable. So uh, that's a, that's a format setting that I like. Certainly, you can go without it, but uh, I, I think I think you and I and everyone that play with that format typically enjoy it. Yeah, and uh, it's it's going to be important. Like those those forty and fifty yard plays, those have to be scoring plays. So it can't be like a forty or fifty yard reception, and they get additional points. Uh, but the biggest thing about it is that it adds variance into your matchups, and uh, and it adds an additional layer of strategy where you can be focusing on more home run hitter guys, and uh, and and those guys can can explode for additional points. So that's another way that we really like to uh, to like you said spice up the leagues. And then Superflex, this is kind of becoming. Uh, I th- uh, before you before you bounce over to Superflex, yeah. let's talk about big big day bonuses, which oh, are different yeah. than big play bonuses. Oh yeah. So like we have it set up in most of our leagues, where basically if you hit certain thresholds in terms of your yardage, then you will gain additional bo- bonus points, and usually it's like a tiered deal. So I think you know for all the skill position players, our threshold for the first like tier of bonuses is a hundred yards. And that can't be 100 yards from scrimmage. It would have to be either 100 yards rushing or 100 yards receiving. Um, and then, you know, usually it'd be like three bonus points or something like that. And then we have another threshold at like 150 yards and you'd get like another, whatever, four bonus points and then 200 yards, another five bonus points. So like if you have a guy go out there and just has one of those days where it's like 220 yards and like a couple of monster touchdowns and whatever, it's like, yeah, that guy could go out there and score you 50 fantasy points. It also evens out the quarterback a little bit too when you have these uh, these big play bonuses to where they can make a big difference, right? If you got have a guy on a team that has a lot of home run hitters, uh, that can add additional value there too. Um, obviously, at the 100%. quarterback position, we you know scoring is still scaled, right? Like just like your traditional um, home league, you know four four points per uh, passing touchdown, you know less points per yard, that kind of thing. But um, those big play bonuses can really can really factor in, uh, and and those added on to the big play bonuses, you can get some monster numbers from some guys. And again, that just creates additional variance in your league uh, to for the best uh, for the best outcomes. Honestly, that that can come so that yeah. it's not just like one team uh, running the whole league. Yeah, and, I, and dude, I know there are some purists out there that maybe like you know are are not fans of these types of formats, but. Um, I, and you know, I've played in some leagues where it's like the scoring settings are so over the top different and like you could score points for like literally everything that you do. And it becomes very confusing and diff- difficult to project what guys will actually score and stuff. It's like, that's not what this is. This is just like little cherries on top or whatever. And it's absolutely something predictable and it's something you can fold into your strategy. Um, and, and yeah, man, I, I think it makes the fantasy matchups more exciting. You know, it does. Yeah. And it changes the value of players, you know, the ripple effect of that in the league uh, and how, how those guys are valued. You know, people with big plays get pushed up. People that don't might get shoved down a little bit. So that just uh, that adds for an additional level of skill and, and interest within it. I totally agree that um, you can be in a league where it's very difficult to keep track of everything. But as long as you keep it um, pretty cut and dry and, and those big play and big game bonuses, that's our way of spicing things up a little bit without going crazy on your like points per carry and, and, and stuff also, because, you know, I do believe that those big games and those big plays, those correlate to winning on the football field. 
you know, a guy that is a home run hitter with those big plays, that's that's very valuable for his team. And uh, and it's worth it for that to be the case in uh, your fantasy league also. You know, when we talk about positional value too, uh, the one in, uh, in, in fantasy leagues in general uh, that is the most important position in actual football is the quarterback position. And, uh, and that's really where in a super flex league, you can actually start to put that type of value on, um, on that position by being able to flex a quarterback and get a second one into your lineup. I dig it, man. The super flex is super important, if I will say that. And I, th- I think it's become also, or is at least moving towards being the new norm. And it absolutely should, man, because, I, you know, the quarterback is one of the most important positions. It's the most important position in actual football. And it's always never really jived well with me that it's like they're, they're like basically this semi-irrelevant position in the fantasy football game. And so uh, the best way to make them important again and make them like, you know, arguably some of the most, if not the most important players uh, on your roster is the super flex format or a two QB format. Yeah. And both of them, uh, it does. It creates the positional scarcity that uh, actual NFL teams deal with. It, it creates the the position so that you can't just get guys off of waivers or make easy trades right. for quarterbacks. It really right. evens out that, yeah. uh, that positional value. Yeah. People are farming them and like, you know, you and I have got some experience too on the tight end side of this equation as well. I mean, the, su- the, the super flex or two QB format works really well because it's like, yeah, you'll probably have 12 guys in your league. Um, and, and, you know, with 32 starting quarterbacks, there's, you know, everyone should have a chance to get two of them on their roster. There's extra guys, so some people will have three starters on their roster, and then everybody will be housing kind of backup developmental quarterbacks as well. And it's like, yeah, man, the, the position has scarcity, and uh, any anyone, even developmental guys, can have value. Um, and yeah, the tight end premium achieves a similar thing. And we've actually gone a step further with a two tight end tight end premium, and like I think that creates too that's, much scarcity yeah, at the position. Yeah, the two tight end was too far. Uh, I think tight end premium does a really good job of evening out that uh, that positional value and making it so that you can't just like devalue the onesie position as much. You know, like that the top scores at the tight end position end up you know moving into the ranks of the other skill position guys, and so that's and that's really what you and I do try to achieve in uh, in all of our leagues is is evening out evening out the, that positional value to create um, the greatest amount of ways that a team can actually uh, succeed in a league. You know, people will provide you strategy for um, for your normal dynasty leagues, uh, one quarterback, one tight end, you know, few running backs, few wide receivers and flex. But uh, when you add in the positional evening out, it allows teams to do a ton of different ways of, of team building, which, um, you know, really leads us into the next topic of actually, you know, what are the counts of the total number of players on a roster? Uh, do you have taxi squads? What are the positions that you are deciding for your starting lineups? You know, all of those things are going to be the next topic that you're tackling uh, when you're actually putting together your league. Yeah. And I mean, like, I, you know, I guess the first, the first question to that is how many teams, how many owners do you want to have in your league? And I, you know, through personal experience, I think the magic number is 12. I, you know, you could go 14 and it obviously creates additional scarcity at every position and that can be exciting, but also it can be a situation where, you know, some people can separate from the herd and it's difficult to ever kind of claw your way back. Similarly, you know, if you do something like a 10 man league or lower, 
then you run into a lot of problems with everybody just kind of having stacked rosters and it's, it's a little bit less fun. I like farming the guys off of the waiver wire is less important. And, uh, I, you know, over, overall, it doesn't quite have the competitive balance that, that you would want to see. So yeah, 12 man, I, you know, and I, I'm sure you would kind of agree with me on that. Most of the leagues that we do, do. are 12 man, 12 man seems to feel right. It does. Um, yeah. And then, the, then there's a question of, okay, how many guys are, are you going to allow on these rosters? And, I think it's important to note and understand that dynasty leagues, you are going to have way deeper rosters than you would have in any type of redraft league. And the larger you, your starting format is, AKA the more players you have it at, as starting positions, the deeper you're going to want your bench to be even from there. So, you know, I, uh, what, what are the normal roster sizes that we're playing with James in our leagues? 40, 40 plus or around uh, 40, uh, 30, yeah, 30 to 35. Uh, one of them gets up closer to 40 just because of how ridiculous that league is, uh, including Debbie players also. But uh, you're looking at, uh, you definitely want a roster size to be at least 30. Uh, because again, you know, again, when you're, when you're hearkening this back to your redraft leagues, you aren't keeping any developmental guys on your roster in a, in a redraft league. Like you may think somebody will pop off later in the season, but even holding them for a couple of weeks, it can be very difficult. And so you've got a lot of cuts, you've got people changing rosters. And sometimes you go like ring around the rosy on guys. And that's not the way that it really works in dynasty. I mean, there's a lot of value in holding on and, and farming guys, like you said, letting them grow on your roster until they're ready to start. And the larger that roster size is, the more that you can farm players. But there's also a balance in that the, the farther that you go in roster size, the less there is out on the waiver. And that's really kind of the competitive balance that you want to figure out in your league because uh, you not only want to factor in these these teams, but you want over time. Like, can a team that is rebuilding be able to come in and get players off of waivers if they're paying attention, farm, and actually over time build a team back up? Yeah, I mean, that's def definitely an excellent point. You want to leave at least some some degree of depth out on the bench, uh, which whatever. I, I say that and knowing it's super relative. We're not talking about guys that most teams would want on their roster, but it you know would at least be guys that have passable upside. Um, but that's that's what it's all about, man. Like the extra roster spots are all about trying trying to farm that upside. Um, and I think that that's one of the things that makes Dynasty League so much fun uh, is being able to go out there and scout guys. And it's not just about like the AAA studs. It's about like the guys that dude aren't aren't getting snaps, you know. And uh, you want to try and learn about everybody, know all of their stories, you know. And yeah, yeah dude, farm farm guys and try and bring them along. And you you know sometimes that's hard to do with with like the roster spots that you're allocated, especially if you're talking about like the deep deep cuts. Um, but that's where like th tools like taxi squads uh, can actually sit there and be pretty useful. Uh, you know the idea behind a taxi squad is it's basically just extra roster spots that's on everybody's roster. And you are able to utilize those to store guys and the, there's varying rules that usually will accompany who is allowed to be stored. Oftentimes it's rookies or guys that are on actual NFL practice squads or, you know, some other things. Sometimes it doesn't matter at all. Just anyone that you want to store on there. But the idea is you can't play them from the taxi squad. You would need to activate them, which would mean you would need to drop somebody from your active roster to bring them up before you could actually start playing them. Yeah, and the and the taxi squad is also like you said, it's a great way to kind of diversify your league so that players can actually house some of those developmental guys and not have to worry about about holding a roster spot. And you know, mining for those taxi squad guys, those end of the roster guys, 
I mean, those that's the funnest part of of Dynasty to me. And you know, I you know, I guess between the two of us with we're, I mean, we're doing a fantasy football podcast about being degenerates in fantasy football. So like not a surprise that that's our favorite part, but really like mining that bottom of the roster is um going to uh be is really like the best part and and the funnest part of of doing it Dude, i completely agree i i was gonna say like going down further down that rabbit hole there's it's like uh, like the scouting process has become so addictive for me that it's like my favorite leagues that we are in now are devi leagues and those are the ones where you are actually able to draft active college players or in some cases even high school players onto your roster and then you hold them and wait for them to develop and get drafted into the nfl yeah and that is, uh, oh boy, that's that's a whole nother level, and uh, is is so fun to go that level deep to be drafting these guys as as freshmen in college and watching them grow and and become better and better, and uh, that that adds just a whole nother layer of complexity when you're factoring in your taxi squads and uh, and everything else. But um, that kind of gives you a good breakdown of your different. Um, format questions related to the uh to the roster building themselves uh there's another detail that does need to be figured out when it comes to setting up your league and it's how you are handling uh free agent whether you're doing it with a blind bid uh free action free agent auction or uh you know your different first come first for first serve based on record whatever it is you do need to determine how exactly you are allowing the members of your league to uh to add those players onto their rosters yeah and i you know for me i I think at this point i'm definitely all about that fab lifestyle uh gives you a lot more flexibility in terms of how you acquire guys i you know I'm never content with either real methods of waivers, whether you're talking about like some sort of a serpentine process where it just rotates through who has waiver priority, or if you're talking about like inverse of standings one way or another, it's like, yeah, oftentimes you can get stuck in a position where you're never really able to get the guy you want Uh, doing a blind bid process where you actually spend an allocated amount of money that you're given at the beginning of the season to bid on guys in free agency uh, restores a lot of that control. It does. Yeah. And it allows, uh, you know, for that to be an additional piece of strategy throughout the year on, uh, you know, how you're spending your fab budget and on who you're spending it on. Uh, and then, yeah, usually that's, that stuff's also tradable as well, which is fun. Just like an extra asset that you can use to get deals done. It is, it is. Yeah. Uh, adding in the, the extra trade part of it is, is, is a good point to call out. Uh, and then, uh, lastly, when you're, when you're setting up your league, and this is a detail that uh, a lot of people don't consider, but it is uh, wanting how you're going to order your rookie draft uh, in years as the league goes on. So um, one thing that's become very common in football in general and in sports in general is um, how uh, how those rookie picks are determined and the tanking that can correlate to that because of the, the, the value of, of those top end picks. And uh, so one way to combat that instead of doing just a normal uh, draft order by, you know, worst record picking first and so on and so forth, uh, is you can actually use uh, MFL has a great metric called just projected points, which would be uh, the maximum number of points that your team would have scored on a week to week basis uh, with your best players. So if you had set an optimal lineup, what those points would be and what that does is it evens out. Uh, it doesn't allow people to tank their rosters to to lose on purpose. 
it forces them to start their best lineups and the actual worst team on a year-to-year basis will end up being at the bottom of those standings. Yeah, and I think that system we've determined is is a great way of both determining the draft order in a fair way, but also sitting there and and trying to minimize the amount of like full-blown tanking because it becomes a situation where it's like if you really want to tank off your roster, you need to get rid of assets. There's no just like sitting guys on your bench and stashing them somewhere. It's like, no, you need to like tear down your roster uh, to actually force the losses. So I, I, I prefer the potential points method. Um, and I think in most of the leagues that we have set up in recent years, that's that's what we've gone with. Yep. And then uh, last thing just quickly is just where where you're hosting your league. MFL is is where I'm going to recommend. You know, the user interface isn't great. Uh, it's it's tough to use, but uh, otherwise you can use ESPN, other leagues like that. But but making them dynasty leagues is very challenging. So MFL, which is my fantasy league, is fully customizable and is the perfect place for you to do uh, any of your dynasty leagues. And that's obviously yeah. not a paid advertisement because we don't have any. No, it's it's not. I mean, dude, I'll I'll talk a little shit on it just so that people are sure of that. But it's like it's definitely not user friendly. The interface is pretty ugly. But at the end of the day, if you are trying to do a dynasty league, especially if you're trying to do one that has like very specific settings that you want to see done or very specific ways of doing things, uh, MFL is really honestly the only option out there. ESPN and Yahoo, um, CBS, NFL, whatever, all of those are very limited in terms of their dynasty functionality. There's like a couple other ones out there like Sleeper and whatever. And I, I, you know, I don't have a whole lot of experience with those, so I can't speak to them. But MFL has been has been good. Yes. Yes, it has. Uh, so we've we've covered uh, kind of the format, your structure of of your league. Uh, we've we've talked about just the number of league members, right? Like twelve is kind of the sweet spot that we feel, but you guys can can figure that out on your own. Uh, the next thing is figuring out who these members should be and how you're going to find them. So, are you doing a home league, or are you trying to fill this uh, somewhere like uh, from Reddit on our Find a League? Yeah, or some other kind of NFL fantasy football-based forums of some kind. Basically, internet strangers who are going to be much more probably experts at what they are doing. Experts are strong, but like much more familiar with what they're doing than say, like you know, you, you know, your brother's friend or so, or something like that kind of thing. Um, yep. uh, James, I'm actually curious, having had the experience um, at this point several times now over on both sides of the coin of doing leagues with friends and doing leagues. Uh, with people that we have kind of like sourced off of Reddit or joined leagues that we have found on Reddit, which which would be your preference? I mean, look, man, uh, it's obviously good to beat your friends, right? And the people that you know good. in your life. Yeah, it, it, yeah feels, it feels good. It feels it feels good. Uh, but the leagues are not as competitive. I mean, every you know, every one of our our leagues with our friends, you know, and everybody experiences this. Has people that don't fully participate that are sort of on and off. Uh, aren't super active, aren't super engaged. And, uh, you know, it changes kind of the power dynamic within a league. It allows for uh, things to change. So honestly, man, in all of these leagues, uh, the, the the ones that we've done off, off of Reddit, uh, filling our team, whether it's starting a league off of there or, or joining one, have, have kind of become, if I'm just talking like pure engagement within the league and strategy and, and everything else and how I like the league goes... Uh, it's it's the Reddit leagues without a question. What about you? Yeah, dude, it's well, it's funny because it's like you might sit there and think, yeah, but it's going to be like a lot more fun communicating with my friends and trying to do the deals and stuff. And 
sometimes that's true, but also sometimes your friends are going to suck and just like not reply at all. And I found that most of the guys off of Reddit, or if you go into the other forums and stuff like that, tend to take those leagues much more seriously. Um, you know, honestly, man, sometimes it might be easier to hold together a friend league question mark because you've at least got that bond, but one, one way or another, if, if you have turnover in, um, in leagues that like are more like internet strangers, there are certainly ways to combat that. And we'll cover that a little bit later. Yeah, man. And, and just think about it, I guess, kind of like pivoting to that a little bit, like these internet strangers are people that literally had to go and search to try and join a dynasty league that yeah. level of they're effort likely, on they're likely yeah they're likely to be active and engaged owners and i you know that is that is usually what you're striving for and like while you would prefer that that is maybe your friends and people you're familiar with oftentimes that's not possible and uh certainly yeah these these people that are searching these things out usually know what they're doing or at least you know really interested in learning yeah, and you do want to, like you said, you want to kind of you want to engage with these people as they try to to join your league. So if you're using uh, our find a league off of Reddit uh, or another forum, uh, fantasy football forum, to to interact with these people, you know, kind of have some questions prepared for them. Try to interact with them and see whether or not there's somebody who's going to stay engaged, and uh, and whether or not you know they're going to be somebody that's really going to be enjoyable to be in the league with. Um, you know, you also. From there, uh, an important thing when you're when you're going, you're finding you're finding these league members is you do want to make sure that you have communication. You know, you talked about uh, wanting to kind of shoot the shit with our buddies, right? And and the league and like talk trades and and, and whatever else. Um, I've found really in in all these leagues, as long as you have GroupMe or some other group messaging app, you can. Uh, get any deals done and often at times engage with these people significantly more than you would expect, like in a home league. And the stranger aspect of it adds another ability where like you're having to figure out exactly how good of a player you are, uh, how good you are at negotiating deals with these people. Like it's a whole nother level of strategy where you can't just take advantage of your one friend that if you like goat them into something, they'll do it. And so it's nice. Yeah. It's nice to actually have kind of that that additional level of competition there. Dude, totally agree with that. Um, I mean, dude, I I also think that when you're talking about these guys that you're finding on the internet, you'll oftentimes because there is a little bit more of a knowledge or commitment or a competitiveness to what is going on. You'll you can also find that they're maybe more willing to pay uh, higher amounts to get into leagues as well. And like I, you know, you and I prefer to do leagues. I, you know, dude, like the $200 spot or more per, per person per year kind of thing, I think is preferable. Um, you know, you want to make sure that like, if you're going to be investing this level of time and putting this together and managing this, that it's, you know, that there is uh, enough of a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Um, and so like, this really comes to the question then of when you set up your league, what, what should you be charging for dues? Um, you know, James, we've, we've both certainly done leagues that are like the $20 leagues, uh, you know, or the hundred dollar leagues. Um, I, you know, Can't I'm not going to sit there and say that I don't have any engagement in those, but like, I definitely have less engagement in those. I, it matters so much less the financial consequence of, of you, you know, remembering to set your lineup or really digging through what's available in free agency or whatever is not, not necessarily high enough. Like, so my, my preference is like, yeah, that two fifty range, I think is kind of the sweet spot for me at least. So I think I think yeah, um, you do definitely you want to put financial stakes around the league. Like it definitely needs to be at least a hundred dollars. Uh, keep people engaged. I, I agree. 
force them to, you know, stay interacting with the league, you know, make it a sum of money that, that these people want, you know, are interested in winning and, and feel bad enough if they don't set their lineup or, or whatever else. I, um, I, that 200, 250 range like that, that's been, I mean, you know, that's, that's a great range to have the league in, uh, you know, placing in the league, the financial benefits and everything else. I like, I think more the sweet spot is in like the 150 to maybe like 200 somewhere like you because uh, once you get into kind of the 250 plus range, you're, you're kind of you're pricing out a lot of people that might might be interested in the league, That's might be true. willing to give it an additional shot, thought. So um, I'd say somewhere around like 150 is, is great. And uh, and, the, and the beauty with with 150 is that it also allows you to do uh, to pay half of your year two up front. That way, they're a collateral if you do have to replace teams, um, but it's not such a financial investment. So, I mean, like if a league's two fifty, and then you're asking people to pay another half of that that year two up front, you're looking at them putting down three seventy five to to participate in a league, and that can be uh, something that that pushes people away. So, um, you know, and and like I said, we another way to kind of keep members in that league is to start by asking for half of year two up front as collateral and that will allow you to help fill uh teams in future years yeah i mean i totally agree with that approach um that's worked well for us um i you know i I think it's how much it is uh and how much you're charging up front and all those things i think as equally important as those things is making sure that the money is protected and that everybody knows that the money is protected uh so that there's like some some that sense of security that everybody has um you know for home leagues I, some of that, some of that's a little bit less the case, and I, you know, James, you and I have even done home leagues uh, where you know we've got all kinds of different fee structures. From oh yeah, for every trade you owe some money, or every waiver acquisition you owe some money. Um, you know, high scores, low scores, whatever, and then it's just all calculated at the end of the year. Um, and while that's fun and it sounds cool on the surface, it ends up being kind of a shit show of a disaster trying to collect that on the back end. And that, that would be just completely impossible to do with internet strangers. It's difficult enough to do with like, you know, what you will find out to be your deadbeat friends. Um, so, you know, doing, doing something where it's like a set amount up front, I think is usually, usually the right way to do it. Yep. Um, but keeping that money safe is the most important thing, right? Oh, I agree. I agree with that completely. And that's where Pe- people need to feel comfortable. Yeah, they do. And that's where using a site like league safe is going to be uh, you know the way to do it. Like you said, these are internet strangers. I, I don't I don't trust many people in my life when it comes to money. Many of my friends, like you said, who turn out to be deadbeats. But it is you know with league safe, and this is probably something that we would have instituted in our home leagues if people weren't unwilling to pay the extra ten dollars a year or whatever it is. Uh, is using league safe as the place to keep all of the money. So you can add owners to League Safe. You can request that they pay to the site. You get notifications when they do pay. And uh, when that League Safe site is set up, and many people will be familiar with seeing a League Safe site, it is very important that that league is set up on majority approval so that the owners in the league must approve any payouts. Uh, otherwise, there is another setting that allows for for an individual person to set what the payouts are and not require uh, approval. So it's really, really important that you use League Safe. Could not agree with that more. What do you think about Superpots? 
Yeah, this is another uh, thing that you and I have deployed in in, in many of our leagues, uh, and it, it's been a great way to keep people around. Um, so super pot, just for those that aren't familiar, again is is exactly what the name says. It is a year of a super pot. So it is essentially holding back portions of the dues on a year to year basis to make uh, a set future year a uh, a more a bigger pot. And, uh, and so the super pot serves a lot of purposes. Uh, one of them is to allow for you to keep that extra money in the worst case scenario that you do need to replace owners and, and get vote on that. But it, it creates additional incentive for owners to come in and to stick around. I like super pot years. And it also adds like another fold of strategy where you can kind of like plan to create a team that is going to mature and be firing on all cylinders in the super pot year, you know, to try and take down uh, the super pot uh, as you know, your first championship year kind of thing. And we've, we've done that before. Um, It's exciting stuff. It is, it is, it is really exciting, but the the real importance of it from, again, from a commissioner is that uh, you get to provide additional incentive for any owners uh, that do join later in the league. Like, Hey, you know, this is the super pot year or the super pot years, two years away. As well as it's an additional reason to uh, to keep owners around and engaged, uh, waiting for that super pot year to happen. Uh, and then, like you said, when you're when you're building, when you're planning for future years in this league and the sustainability of that league, it's really important that. Uh, and again, this is a setting you can do in MFL. You limit uh, any how far in advance owners can trade their draft capital so that they're not just stocking up, trading away all their draft picks and then leaving the league and, and, and a team in disarray. Yeah. And I think that's a super important point. And you, I, th- I believe there's settings as well. And this is how most of our leagues are set up where you can prepay in for future years. If you want to trade away those future picks um, and dude, I'm all down for people that want to do that. And obviously that money would, would be held safe and league safe and everything along those lines. Um, but otherwise it's like, yeah, we've, I've seen too many situations where, you know, somebody comes in and that's exactly what their goal is. They think they're going to try and win year one and they're going to do it at all costs. And they end up bombing out. And by, you know, year two or three, they're bailing on the league because they've shipped off all of their future capital. They've got nothing to rebuild with and their team has kind of fallen to shambles and, uh, it's, you know, kind of a dick thing to do, but also it's an important thing to have to, an unfortunate thing to have to manage, uh, as a commissioner of a league and you can usually see it coming like years in advance, but, um, that is a good way to, to mitigate that is, is basically requiring people to pay up front if they want to trade future years of draft picks. And so that's, you know, covering a lot of, of, of what we've done related to, uh, to setting the league up itself. Uh, we also just have a f- few other pointers. A few other pointers, yeah. I would say most of, most of that last batch of stuff is kind of having to do with the financial end, and I think that that is a pretty good primer on it. Um, but yeah, there's I mean, there's other things you want to consider when you're setting up your league. Uh, you know, one of one of the things that you may not think about, or maybe it's the thing that drives you to set up the league in the first place, but it's a very important point is the theme of a league. Uh, we, you and I, have been in a bunch of different leagues with a bunch of different themes. Wh- which which one is your favorite, and then why is it your favorite? Oh man, which one's my favorite? So. Uh, that, that depends. I mean, you know, I'm very partial to just the parks and rec league. That's uh, fine. and, uh, cause we are Ron Swanson and I was, uh, it's and, mostly because we're Ron Swanson and that's it awesome. Is, it is. It is. Um, and, uh, but yeah, we, we have another league that's WrestleMania that you and I commission 
And, uh, and every year we update the logo to be that number of WrestleMania. So WrestleMania year one was just WrestleMania. Year two is WrestleMania two, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, and, and that's been awesome. Uh, dude, I've seen a ton of league themes and I've, uh, you know, this was something that we, if we're being honest with the listeners kind of haphazardly walked into with the WrestleMania league where we were like, we should start a league to get additional engage, like a theme for additional engagement. And it's yeah. turned out to be Dude, something that we like need to do with every league moving forward. Oh, oh, I absolutely love it. And it's the funniest part about it because we've got like, you know, 11 other people in that league that are like huge wrestling fans. And then there's you and I, and it's like, we kind of started just because we thought it would be a fun theme or whatever. Our team name is Andre the Giants. James and I are both like six foot six. And so like that, that was fun for us, but everybody's got like some sort of wrestler pun and, uh, mostly like old school wrestlers. And yeah, dude, it's, it's super fun. Uh, it's a super fun theme and that, yeah, that league is just good, good times in general. There's a, there's a lot of good communication in the group, me in that league. And there's, yeah, I mean, to come, come to find out every, everyone's a big wrestling fan, uh, you know, surprise, surprise, but, uh, dude, yeah, it's a great theme. It's a great theme. And uh, yeah, I've seen a ton of other ones that are fun out there. It's like pick something that you love or just pick something that you think would be cool and fun. And that like, you know, people would, would find interesting and want to engage in. Yeah, man. The Office, Marvel characters. I mean, there are so many different themes that you can do for a league. And that's just, like we said, an additional way to get people to engage, an additional way to pull people in. That might be the final factor. We heard from several people in the WrestleMania League that they were like, this league looked awesome. I wasn't sure, but it was a WrestleMania League, so I had to join it. Yeah, 100%. Like, uh, 100%. And, and that, was, that was awesome. You know, from there... I guess really at this point we we we've set up the majority of of what the charter is, and uh, and the next thing is kind of setting the league and uh, and and sort of some pieces associated with it. So the first the last thing to mention kind of associated with the league before getting into the draft itself is uh, a league calendar, and you're going to want to outline important dates and deadlines in advance remind league members if you have the ability to do so as much as possible again in that group me and in 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 posts on what the message board is for the league whatever it is but that league calendar is going to be an important way for you to commission that league and to hold people accountable for their actions yeah i agree with the league calendar 100 percent. and like most of that for me is i'm just a very forgetful person and so it's like i i need a resource that i can constantly be looking back to um it is useful Def- definitely a must and, uh, and and just quickly, commissioners, and we'll get to this more later, but like act what is in the best interest of the league. Just frankly, don't be a dick if you don't need to be a dick. Like yeah, nothing, nothing is worse in this world than the commissioner that is on a total power trip. And James and I have joined Reddit leagues where that has been the case. And it's like that guy's just like out to fuck people over and is a total hard ass. It's like, don't be that guy. Don't be that guy. Be fair. You know, uh, like obviously, you know, have a steady hand in terms of like, don't, don't just like let people walk all over the rules or whatever, you know, and if they make mistakes because they're not paying attention, that's, you know, I, you know, you got, you got to make judgment calls sometimes and, um, but no, nobody likes the asshole commissioner, but yeah, we'll, we'll get, we'll get to that more. I, like last final little point here to consider is, you know, when you're doing your startup drafts and I, you know, I, I think that one thing that we would agree with, uh, both you and I on the only way to do this for a dynasty league is a long format email style draft where everyone is on the clock for like 12 hours at a time for each pick. 
And yes, the draft itself will take potentially a couple of weeks. Uh, Not potentially. It will. It will take, it'll a take a couple of weeks. It'll take a couple but, of weeks. But you know what? It gives everyone ample time to do an immense amount of research for you know the guys that they want to build that team. And really, honestly, you, you should have the, t- the time to be able to put in to really zero in on the guys that you want, the strategy that you're trying to deploy. And uh, for something that, you know, p- presumably you're going to be keeping this team for a long time going forward. Yeah. And that's like really, really critical to point out. It gives people opportunities and time to make trades during the startup and everything else. Like you want people to be putting thought into what their deals are. And again, when you have active engaged owners, you don't really have to worry about them not picking on time, some gentle reminders, whatever will, uh, will be fine. But really you're going to have active engaged owners. They're going to be picking when they can and they have time to make their pick, to make the right pick, and to make any trades that they want to do. Sweet man. Well, I, you know, I think that covers most of um, getting a league started. Um, you know, I, there's obviously that is most of the hard part when it comes to commissioning a dynasty league. Uh, is is actually just getting it up and going, finding all the people, getting all the rules, laying everything out. That's also like the most fun part as well. Um, once you get going with it, though, there is definitely ongoing stuff that you know, if you're going to be a commissioner of a dynasty league, you need to be aware of and, and make sure that you're on top of it. You know, one of these things is, is rule changes. And I, there's a variety of different ways in which that can be managed. Um, but like one way or another, it, it certainly is something that should be allowed for, because, you know, you may think you've got the most perfect format known to man when you set everything up. Um, and you know, you've got all of your eyes dotted and T's crossed, but like things will slip through the crack and you'll realize that there's, holes that need to be tightened up. And so I, you know, or people will just, their preferences will kind of all, all shift in one direction and you know, you'll, you'll want to just make a change on something. So yeah, it's, uh, it's important to let the league dictate things that, that are going on, right? Like you don't, uh, again, just don't be a dick as a commissioner. Don't be the only one making decisions. Like the best way to keep your owners engaged as the league goes on is allowing them to institute small rule changes and tweaks. You can include in your charter rules that will never change. That's another thing that we we have done. Uh, if there are things that you feel specifically must stay that way. But really an active and an engaged league is going to do things that are in the best interest of that league too. Like what I've found really in these in these online leagues is that people are kind are are really out there to have fun. Obviously they want to win, but people really mostly act rationally. And so that's really great like to kind of see as the league evolves over time, just in t- just allowing them another opportunity to help make the league better uh, a- as they go on. And, uh, and you know, again, that goes back to, to being a commissioner also and, and always ruling and what is in the best interest of the league. So you want to yeah. minimize uh, the number of decisions that you make at, that are against uh, what the league as a whole wants to do. Well, and part of that is just minimizing the number of executive decisions decisions that you make in the first place. I mean, with, with very rare exception, almost every kind of issue or hurdle that you come up upon in a league, even outside of just annual rule changes, is something that the league should be able to weigh in on, and you should be able to put it to a league vote and let the league decide how, how that particular situation uh, should be played out. Uh, and that's and so you know anytime you've got to sit there and actually just make a hard decision on your own, there's going to be a lot of disagreement. The disagreement really is minimal, if any at all, so long as it is something that the group decides upon. Um, and so that would always be the preferred way 
to go about solving issues within a league. Yeah, for sure. Like you said, make, minimize those executive decisions because those are what's yeah. always going to get you in trouble with league members also, right? If you're just yeah. ruling against them. Uh, 100%, man. And p- part of that too is making sure that you have got the charter buttoned up. I mean, the more detailed you are doing the charter ahead of time, and that's something that like I you know takes takes time to master, and maybe it is something that you just need to refine over time. But you know we've gotten pretty good with our initial charters, where it's like ah yeah we we know the areas, the loopholes or whatever it is, the things that are going to need to be the screws that need to be tightened down uh, well in advance, and we've got that stuff included in there. Yep. And uh, and on that note, again, trying to make sure that uh, nobody hates you as commissioner and they believe you're fair and just. Just do your tasks in a timely manner. Now, this seems like simple advice. Uh, it's something that, honestly, I've I've struggled with before. Uh, we're we're not the best at it. It's, no, you we're, know. Not. we're not. <laughs> but 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 yeah, we sh- should be better. And certainly, a lot of the commissioners we work with are very good about it. Um, and yeah, no- nothing will like get get the league, you know, getting their pitchforks out more than a, a commissioner slow to act on things. Yeah, especially important things. So you know, set a calendar. And then follow that calendar as the commissioner, and then generally the people in your league will will follow suit. Also, you know, just set a good example for the league members. Okay, James. So, what about a doom and gloom scenario where we've got our league set up, we know what to do for the ongoing maintenance side of things and everything like that, but you know, you get to a point here, and for whatever reason, somebody wants to leave the league. Maybe multiple people want to leave the league uh, within a given league year. What are the kind of tools or strategies that you can deploy uh, to solve those issues? Yeah, man. So you are going right back to our find a league or whatever forum, probably multiple forums, and you're posting that league. You're gonna you're gonna do your best to uh, to make that. Yeah, you league. find replacements. Yeah, you're gonna you, make make the league whole. Yeah, you got to make the league whole. You got to find replacements. You're not gonna let a league die. I mean, this is a rule that we probably should have put in like bold, but don't let a league die. Like as a commissioner, your role is to keep that league going. People are there. People have been invested for years. This is a dynasty. It's not a redraft. So people have invested in this. Maybe their window is upcoming, whatever it is. Like it is your responsibility as commissioner to keep this league going in perpetuity. And so going back to our find a league or wherever else to find those owners is going to be your most, uh, it's going to be the quickest and best way to do that. But that's honestly probably going to take some tweaks in how you're putting those teams out there. And Ben, what do you think those are going to be? Uh, I mean, dude, I, it, it depends obviously on how many teams you've, you've got to give up uh, or you've got to replace. If you've got just one team and the team is garbage, which is often the case when somebody is leaving a league, obviously people that have like awesome competing teams aren't typically leaving. Although it does happen um, from time to time due to life changes, circumstances, whatever. Um, but if it's a bad team, you're, it's going to be tough out there trying to draw guys in. And, you know, uh, while, you, you know, your initial instincts might say, oh, we'll do something to try and equalize the team. It's like, no, no nobody is going to want to sit there and give up players or picks or whatever to try and make that situation better. Uh, so usually the best way that you can entice somebody in is with, you know, the challenge of, of uh, you know, a, a, a difficult rebuild along with some sort of a financial incentive uh, to come into the league. Um, you know, whether that be giving them some sort of a discount on the first year or maybe even giving them the first year free altogether with like a deposit for the second year, um, something along those lines. And like, you know, uh, how that gets paid for is is the part where things become challenging. 
um, you know, if you're doing a league where you've got a super pot set up, sometimes that money is just kind of sitting there in a pool and you can get the league to vote to agree to pull the funds out of there. Sometimes you just reduce the overall prize pool for the following year and the funds come out of there. Um, one way or another, I, it is of ample importance that when you go to figure out where the funds are going to come from, it is something that is proposed to the league and put to a league vote and the, and the league decides as a whole, uh, where you're going to source funds from in order to supplement a free year for a new inbound person. Yeah, if man. it's going to be multiple people though, I, you, you start to get into the dispersals and, and like, dude, that's I, one of my favorite ways to join a league in progress. Yeah. And, uh, and you know what, man, you could have multiple teams doing a dispersal and you're still going to have to offer a discount. Like it, it depends, but the dispersal yeah, draft- entirely possible De- depends on the quality of the player pool, obviously that is out there. If it's like two trash teams combined, you're probably going to need to offer incentives. If it's like one pretty good team and then one pretty bad team, that might be a good enough mix that, you know, you can lure people in. Yeah. And, uh, dispersal drafts are an awesome way for somebody to kick off joining a league, right? Like if if you're uh really really jones in for doing a draft you can do a dispersal draft you can join a fantasy league and and do the draft of those players and uh, again just kind of in layman's dispersal draft is just taking that pool of players from the multiple teams that have left putting it into one pool and then allowing those owners to draft from there and so it's really uh it's a great introduction for those players into the league they get the feeling of doing a draft they get to join a league that's been more matured over a few years and they're not doing a full startup. Yeah, that's a perfect description of it. Uh, James, I got to be honest, uh, all of this talk of creating leagues uh, makes me maybe want to do maybe want to do a new league this offseason. I've been trying to convince you to do it. You know, I know you I, every offseason I try to convince you. I'm just such a, I'm such a degenerate. Like the rest of the responsibilities yeah, th- in my life be damned. I, I just want to do more sure. more leagues. Throw what? Throw one more league on the pile. Well, dude, at this point, I feel like you and I are both kind of. It's fun to join the dispersals and fun to join leagues in progress. Um, startup, you know, startup, and startup, obviously, startup, if, if, startup, startup, yeah, startup, dude. Startup, but startup. like, you know, the the thing about the startup is you need to listen to everything we just said in this episode, and you need to be willing to apply the effort to deploy it. Right? I mean, you can join a league in progress, and that's like the easy way to do it, man. If you just want to get into a dynasty league with some competitive guys, but. Yeah, man. I, you and I, at this point, the startup is the way to do it. You get to build your team from scratch, deploy your strategy from scratch. It is, it's always the preferred way to do it. It's what most people prefer to do. It's easier to find guys to do a startup. It's probably easier to find 11 other guys to do a startup than it is to find two guys to do a dispersal. Without question. To be perfectly honest. Without question. Yeah. No, it is. It is easier. I mean, again, dispersals, like people have to be willing to take on that team. Some people won't like think about long-term vision and, and some people are just like so full of themselves that they think that, Oh, if I draft a full team, I'll do better than from this limited pool. Uh, but yeah, man, we, we should, we should do one. I, I think that needs to happen this off season. Um, and this is the perfect year to do it. I think we've said it in other episodes and in private conversations, but when you have an elite, uh, rookie class like we think this one is like that's a great time to be drafting so um, yeah to do a startup hell yeah man especially if, yeah if you're going to deploy one of those build a young team type of strategies yeah yes great time to be doing it it is so i yeah you you, you and i'll have to have some off-air conversations about uh about maybe what that looks like we do so i think that yeah, about cool. covers it for today it does it does uh everyone please go back and listen to uh, our previous episodes the most recent one that we released was about startup draft strategy uh next week on tuesday we will be covering how and when to b- rebuild 
So uh, for those of you in already existing dynasty leagues and you're looking at your roster and you're like, man, I'm probably not winning a championship. Uh, we're going to try Never and again. offer some strategy <laughs> on how and when to do a rebuild. Uh, thank you to everybody for joining us again. Uh, please follow us at Off the Rails FF on all social media. And we look forward to uh, speaking to you guys again next week. Off the Rails on